Welcome to the Hay Kings podcast, brought to you by Vermeer, your expert in hay and forage equipment. Today I'm joined by Micah Carey. Micah works for a hay equipment manufacturer, and we're going to talk about some of his travels, the variety of haying operations he's had the opportunity to interact with, and we're going to develop some uh, a lexicon for the industry, uh, a common set of vocabulary to clear up confusions. It's about time. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Let's talk about hay shows, because you get to go to a lot of shows now. <laughs> Yes. A lot, a lot. How many, do you have any idea how many farm shows you've been to? In, in, a, in the 12 month span. So this is kind of our, our lineup for the last, the last year that I went. This, yeah, I know. 2020 Co- is. We're just going to throw 2020 out the window here. Okay. So the 2019 off season schedule, because it, it starts August, September. So the farm progress show is a show that alternates between Iowa, Illinois every year in August and then the Farm Progress Show in mid middle of Ohio in September, and then October there's a, a decent size show in Georgia, the Sunbelt Ag, and then December we went to a show in Tulsa, more of a livestock show, but there's still ag stuff there. January Northwest Hay Expo, it's the most unique show I would say, and then Colorado Farm Show and Tulare World Ag Expo. Mm-hmm. Are the ones we went to in the last year, and so on on the show side of things, coming from a service tech, a service tech also the guy with the CDL that factors in a lot to shows. So you are the one that hauls the equipment yes. all over the country to the shows. Yes, I I make sure everything we need for the show is at the show the day before the show. We're all set up, but then the service tech side is really. You kind of chill out until someone has a technical question or until all the salespeople are already talking to someone and the seventh person walks up to your booth. (laughs) (laughs) Then you get to go talk to someone. Then I get to go talk to someone. You're almost hitting that stereotype computer programmer, like scooching your glasses up your nose. (laughs) Like, (laughs) have you been to all 50 states uh, yet? Yeah, I have not. I'm north of 40. I believe I'm at 40 in the last 12 months. And I'm at, this is the impressive number though. I am at 35 or 36 in the last three months. Whoa. So you're in Washington today. You've been to Florida in the last three months. Yes. Uh, California? Yes. New York? Yes. So you've hit the corners. Yes. Have you got up into Maine yet? I have not. The farthest northeast I've been is Vermont. Here's, here's kind of the craziest schedule. So last week of April, Imperial Valley. First week of May, Florida. Second week of May, Vermont. Third week of May, Columbia Basin. That's crazy. For 28 days, the entire country. <laughs> in a, in a, and between each one of those stops, I went back to the center of the country to... To your home base. To, to, to home base to reload the trailer get supplies. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is super awesome. <laughs> How many miles on the truck? 105, 6,000. In a year. Yeah. 
right? I hit, I had a hundred thousand miles and it took me 53 weeks. So I was, I didn't quite make my goal, but I took a few rental cars and plane flights in the middle. So, so you I had some, it. yeah, you, you hit your hundred thousand miles in a year. Yeah. That's getting around and seeing a lot of people and uh, delivering a lot of machines, I yeah. suppose. Take me through that process of delivering that machine and setting it up and, and teaching somebody to run it. So how we're set up is we come in and the majority of our machines just come directly to Kansas to a warehouse we have set up and we do we do the basic assembly, get everything ready to go. And then I put it on a gooseneck just behind a one ton and we can put two machines of our bundlers or one of our stackers. I'm also the the technician, the technician training for the deliveries that I do. And I'll go out and I'll unload the machine, spend usually four to five hours is what it takes. And that's usually it's an hour to get it hooked up to unload it, hook it up, pack pack all the chains up, that kind of stuff. And then an hour, probably 30, 45 minutes of explanation, and then another hour of actually, I always want to make make bundles while I'm there, and then do another walk around of what questions you have, how can I explain it better, and then sign the papers, and then... Then after that, there's another hour of talking, just having fun. Just because. <laughs> yeah. Just because. I drive all this way, might as well get my time out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good deal. <laughs> Let's go to Hay Kings for a minute. What do you like about Hay Kings? Or what, maybe what don't you like about Hay Kings? Let's start with what you don't like about The Hay best Kings. and the worst thing about any social media, and Hay Kings in particular, is anyone can say anything. It's both sides. Um, and there needs to be no rational explanation or proof behind what you're saying. And sometimes that comes out in your favor and sometimes it comes out against you. Yeah, so from the manufacturer's standpoint, yay boo. Um, I would rather see nothing than something just as a general average. Coming from my side, you see people talking about equipment and I don't, I don't ever know. When I see a post of what bundler should I buy or what stacker should I buy, I either, most of the time I think, why can't that just not be there? Because you're, no matter what you're doing, there's good things and there's bad things about every piece of equipment. So you'd rather see nothing than something that's wrong. Yes, definitely. Because you don't have any ability to, to fix that. Yes. You, you can't get on social media and say, hey, I'm, I'm the guy that actually really knows this stuff. Yeah. You're wrong. Like that's that's yeah. not acceptable. It, it it doesn't ever turn out in your favor either. No matter no matter what you say, coming from a company perspective. Right. So figuring out how to address issues but not being able to do them in a public way is hard sometimes. But what I do see I love it when I see someone who posts a picture of look at this new bundle I got, it works well. I see the merits of someone who says who just wants to genuinely know what's the best. But then my biggest thing is regarding not just my company, but any company, unless you have directly had experience with them as a company, it's better not to say anything for everyone involved. It doesn't matter if it was a friend of a friend or even someone where you were a little involved, unless you were the person actually dealing with the company and how they responded to the issue and what their problems were, the level of input that you have is not as valuable. But... Nobody knows if you were that person or not when you just publicly say it. So if if you've had a good or bad experience with any company, that's good to share. But if you just hear through the grapevine, 
you might have 10 people recite the same story and that story, no matter good or bad, might have looked differently from the outside. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, a game of telephone. Yes. Where you get some lost in translation. And the lost in translation happens really fast when you get a call. It's 100 degrees outside. Someone's <laughs> been having a bad day. <laughs> they're and hot, yet, they're tired, and they're dehydrated. And another thing has broken. Right. That story gets about twice as bad in 10 seconds, <laughs> if not more. <laughs> oh, I'm not guilty of that at all. <laughs> Oh, boy. I've never called for parts and been upset about the conversations yeah. that I've had. Never. Never. That's just... It's only happened three times in the last two weeks. It's cool. It's fine. It's, I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing about Hate Kings is, is the community that I would say has been established. Um, going, going to shows in the last year, I love being able to see people who know each other through just the internet... But it's cool because with my job, I get to meet them all in person. So I, I was visiting someone a couple of weeks ago, and they mentioned something about Hakings, and I just happened to have a couple of Hakings hats in my back seat, <laughs> and I knew they were uh, where, a big fan of Hakings. So. I don't know where you got those. It's almost like <laughs> I, you they, got a connection or yeah, something. Like had to drive a tractor all day just to get oh, a couple of hats. You did. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. That absolutely happened. Yep. <laughs> That's really encouraging to hear. In this day and age, we have this idea that the internet separates us. And certainly if you flip on Facebook for any amount of time and you look at three or four different memes, you have somebody on the right and somebody on the left and they're screaming about the same issue. And then you go over to Hey Kings. And you're united around an idea. Yeah. You're, you're united around an industry and an industry that matters. And there's people that matter. Those kind of online connections are generally more positive than negative, And they allow for in-person interaction. And my favorite thing about Hey Kings in particular is it allows us to go from online interactions to in-person interactions. And that's the highest form of social media is that which brings people together in person. Definitely. So that's really cool. Let's take a break there and we'll get a word from our sponsor. I'm Danny Wan and, and I switched to the Vermeer 604R because I believe this baler is built to last. I bail about 4,000 bales a year and I think as much money you get for a baler, if they need to bail 4,000 bales a year, even if it's for 10 years, they, they need to get it done. The day I ran it, we absolutely had no issues at all. It fired up and I bailed like some guy. <laughs> it just bailed all day long. Hear the full story at makinghay.com slash haykings. 90% of the time you see something and people are fairly united or just, you can just see people who, they just become buddies Yeah. through through posts that, I mean, they, they aren't even always coherent, but they have nothing, <laughs> they have nothing to do with anything you could possibly bring into issue, but it's just something that you have in common, the... The troubles of oh I got a load of I got a load of load today early in the morning or I got to go hand stack or any of this kind of stuff right but I think the the side that I see kind of like we were talking about earlier from from not even just the manufacturer side of and what you said we see opposing arguments people screaming at each other no one's changing opinions no one's doing anything and then you come into a site where it's all the same and then you see someone where people are just you see a post where people are just yelling at each other and you think. Can this just not be here? <laughs> right. Or what I always think is, good grief, if all of these people were in the same room together, 
they'd be having a great time. Yes. And they would they would have figured out the problem. They would have like they would have figured out who the target market is. They'd figure <laughs> out, oh, it freaking rains all summer where you're at. That's why you do silage bales? Okay. That makes sense to me. Or oh, you have an export market. You're you're actually yeah, you have a really high input cost because you're trying to make a premium product. So like if you could just get past all those, like, those <laughs> fundamental things and not have somebody from the East Coast arguing with somebody from the West Coast yep. about nice hay, the West Coast wins. Just saying. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> but that goes back to your consistency thing. Yeah. We can make dirt brown hay just, like, with the best of them, right? Uh, I should have showed you some. I, I got some. It it happened. <laughs> <laughs> You're not quite in the desert, though, so it doesn't count. No, I'm not in the... No, I'm kind of up in the mountains a little bit. But, uh, no, they can make dirt brown hay. You know, alfalfa 15 days in the field. That uh, that two-week club on putting up a cutting of alfalfa, that, that doesn't make nice hay. No, no. <laughs> Anything that's on the ground for that long usually doesn't turn out nice. Right. Right. So, with, with what you just said, I can think of an exact time I was at... So, I was at... The World Ag Expo in Tulare, mm-hmm. and we're there. There's a that, lot of that's the, California. Cal, yes, yeah, uh, Tulare, California, right between Bakersfield and Fresno. Yep, kind of the south central part of the state. Yep, we have a booth, and a couple of guys come up. Uh, one of them owned a big hay operation in Southern California, and he's with a buddy who's from Illinois, and they met through Hay Kings, and you could see their their opinions were different on how they do stuff, and it was it was interesting talking to. His other friend from Illinois, just seeing the the opposing view, just like you said, is, well, why don't you do things differently? And they don't necessarily understand all the variables, but we're all standing in person. We're all having a great time and everybody's friends. Right. And that's just unbeatable and it would never happen without things like Hate Kings. Right. Right, right. Those in-person interactions are the best. That's, ah, uh, I can't wait till post-COVID era. We've taken so much for granted yeah. in our in-person interactions and our ability to meet and and enjoy one another's company all of those things are so important and good grief hey king's expo 2022 oh boy (laughs) there's a guy on the east coast that just flipped over backwards thinking about that idea uh (laughs) hey patch that's for you (laughs) i don't know maybe maybe that isn't the craziest idea i don't know about 2022 uh, that might be a little ambitious. The rest of the world is still too crazy to start planning big events, but yep. I don't. Maybe that isn't outside of reality. I can tell you from someone who has just been driving circles in the last four months around the country. Most of the farmers aren't too concerned. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're saying I've shaken a lot of hands. <laughs> Oh boy, you're saying there's a political leaning and and <laughs> no, not not at all. <laughs> if anybody out there is really excited about a Hay Kings Expo, let's call it 2023. If you want to take ownership of that, get a hold of me. We'll give it a shot. You talked me into it, Michael. I I know a guy who lives right in the middle of the country. Right. <laughs> I don't know. There's lots of prairie we could just clean right <laughs> up and use. Uh, location's hard, though. Yeah. How do you decide? 
how do you decide where to have a hay expo? Yeah, I think that's that's that would be the hard part about it is you would want nationwide because you'd want the different inputs and different interactions. Yeah. If, if you do regional, everyone's already doing the same thing. Right. You want that cross-pollination of ideas. Yeah. That's the valuable thing that you're the idea that you're getting at here. I went to a hay meeting in Moses Lake, Washington. That's uh Oh, I think we we talked about this on our uh, Tedder episode with Vermeer. So in Moses Lake, this is the desert, the irrigated desert where we're growing hay. And they were talking about, there's a a Washington State University professor talking about using Tedders. And I'm not talking about the Citrix, Hay Bob, Fluffer style that we do use out here. Talking about true East Coast, center part of the country, those weird fling them out all over the ground tedders. I'm just not used to them. And they were using them successfully to make high quality hay. And that just blew me away a little bit. I don't think anybody else in the audience was really on board. There was some resistance. Like, <laughs> no, that's never going to work. It was one of those one of those kind of conversations. Maybe, like, the tedder is the perfect example because it's so regionalized. Yeah. So, so regionalized. I like the cross-pollination. That's, yeah. that's the most important part of any connection is the cross-pollinization of ideas. And with, with the whole idea of looking at the country as regionalized, there are definitely regions, though, that are very similar, and there's little pockets all over the place where in... So part, parts of the country where you're at up in northeast Washington, Montana, Idaho... There are some pockets that are similar to places over New York area and that kind of stuff. But you never think about it because you look you look at regions and you separate each region into what everyone does. Right. And you can look at places like Louisiana, Mississippi, and those, those are pretty untouchable getting 70, 80 inches of rain annually. Right. That's something you're never going to see up here. But there are... There That's are, not true. Western Washington... They get that kind of oh, rainfall. That's true. I forgot there's a rainforest in Washington. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> Remember, you're you've just been living in the dry side of Washington. I've and I've everybody been over else, the hills. <laughs> and everybody else th- thank you. You're getting it. Uh everybody else thinks about rainy wa- uh, yeah. rainy Seattle, right? Yeah. So actually there's a lot of silage round bale production yeah. on the west. Ju- on just the west like side. that compared to the southeast where you do that round bale silage. Who would have thought when you look at the most of the market in Washington, you cross a mountain range and you do do the silage round market. Yeah. But seeing those ideas and the people, the people you interact with in your region might have completely different weather aspects, but you find a pocket in another region across the country and it is very similar to you. Yeah. The, the part that gets me is like uh, Ohio wheat straw harvest, right? Yes. We have the Palouse in eastern Washington, and that's wheat country. Yeah. That's, that's 100, we're hearing some yields this year, 140 bushel non-irrigated wheat. <laughs> and the straw that goes along with that is, is a, like, it can be a legit problem, especially if you're in a no-till situation. That is a lot of biomass to try to seed back into. So they do bale it off. So all of a sudden you have the Palouse in eastern Washington and, and Ohio, that have some of these similar production characteristics or production methodologies, I guess. Very, very similar production, very different angles of cutting. <laughs> <laughs> you can slide off a hill on the Palouse. Probably, probably not so much in Ohio. No, not so much. Like, 
is that the kind of country where you can watch your dog run away for three days? Not well, he'll go behind a tree, but oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it was Illinois. That was that was Illinois where the guy's like, "Yeah, it's so flat there, you can watch your dog run away for three days." I'm like, "Yeah, my dog gets lost in two minutes." <laughs> like, <laughs> do you have any questions for me? I don't know if you've said this in an episode before, and you've told me personally, but what drove you to start Hey Kings, and how surprised were you? The first week you started Hey Kings. Uh, I think we touched on this in the very first episode. Uh, I lost my dad and grandpa when I was 19. Grandpa was in his 80s and he got sick and just never got better. And my dad had cancer for a couple of years. But I grew up on a dairy with them, around them. They were always very encouraging to me to figure my own stuff out. There was very little helping. There was, uh, like... The teaching component was there, but in a very different way. It was always, I I always wanted to be on the tractor, and I had ridden along on the tractor enough to know that this lever did this, and this lever did this, and this pedal did this, and and this is how you do this. And then I got tall enough to to actually do it. (laughs) Oh, wait, are you tall enough yet? I still have to reach (laughs) up to tie my shoes, so it's kind of crappy. Uh, But I always knew how to do it because I'd watched, and I'd learned. So when I got big enough to do it, I was doing it. Like, we had a, uh, a silage bagger. So like an ag bag. Yeah, but for silage. But we put round bales, wet round bales in an ag okay. bag. Okay. So you're, you know a little bit about the silage round bales. I do. Well, I've done some. I've done wrapped bales before. We did some oat and barley hay. Uh, we've done some alfalfa that way. Yeah. Yeah, we do a little bit up here because it gets wet. Early and late. We've had, I don't know, two-tenths of an inch of rain in the last month, so one little (laughs) rainstorm. But Uh, it was right after you bailed. It was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, So it gets wet on the end. So we do a little bit here and there. Last year it was super, super wet, and and grass was growing like crazy in in September, and we had to get some stuff on October. So we actually did some round bale silage later in the year. So, yeah, we've been around a little bit of that. When I was... In my teens, I went and bought a baler. So while you were the same age that you were going to college, <laughs> good grief, I bought my first baler when I was 15. So before I could legally work for somebody else running a baler, I had my own. And it was a 273 New Holland. And I don't hate New Holland because I still have New Holland stuff, but man, I hated that particular baler. <laughs> but it was because I didn't know. But I never got any help on it. Dad said, figure it out. And now... I'm okay with notters. Please don't call me for with notter questions. Don't, don't call me either. Unless you own one of our machines. <laughs> then, then please call me. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty good with notters. Because, but because of that baler, and I'm better for that, I had the skill sets to put up hay. What I didn't have was the community around me. I didn't have, I didn't have the buddies to talk to. You've, you've been up to the farm now uh, a couple of times. We're in the middle of nowhere, and we are not a farming mecca. No. Not, not by any stretch of anyone's imagination. We do put up some nice hay. Not a lot of agricultural support, not a lot of no custom applicators of any kind. The closest fertilizer plant's an hour and a half away. Like, we're, we're out in the middle of nowhere. And just not a lot of folks to, to shoot the breeze with about hay, right? A- absent that, the dad and grandpa role, right? That, that 
educational component, that teaching component, uh, absent that network of peers, I went and created it. And I, you asked me what I was <laughs> thinking in the first week, and it blew up. And I, I really quickly realized that there was a need for that. You know, if you're talking about corn and soybeans, in two minutes you can get on the internet, say Iowa's stupid, and you have 15 people. I shouldn't use Iowa right now. Uh, <laughs> you, you say corn is stupid, and you have 15 people that love corn and you just found them. And you switch up your tone and you, you go have a conversation with them, right? That There wasn't a thing for hay. Like, it just, that sense of community didn't, didn't exist. So, I just, I started building what I needed. And I found out that there were a lot of other people that needed it too. It's just been a pleasure to, to be able to create that and moderate that and guide that and, and have a, a team around me to help me with that. That's just been an incredible experience. I have nine moderators on the group now. To have nine people that are invested in this, to have nine people that dedicate so much time to the group to ensure the quality, to ensure that you get rabble-rousers and trolls on the <laughs> internet, that's a thing. And they, they take a hike, right? Because what the group is about is the foundations, that education that networking. And that third part is innovation. But, so as I, as I talk about Hey Kings, I'm talking about education, connection, and innovation. That innovation came about because that's at the, that's at the core mm -hmm. of what our industry does. It's not like a combine. How many different setups do you have for a combine? Do you have a header? Or maybe a head? I, header. Header? You say header? Okay, I say header. You have a header. You have some way to transport the grain from the header to the thrashing me mechanism. There's a thrashing mechanism. There's a grain bin on top. There's an operator station, and then the chaff goes out the back. That's how every combine works. If we talk about hay balers, think about all the, like, round bale, little small square, big square, offset, inline. I mean... There's a lot of there's a lot of different and all different sizes. You yep. can have a four by four round baler to a. Uh, I think uh, I think we saw a, one of the manufacturers came out with a five by six round baler the other day. That's pretty good sized, and of course yep. we've had TJ Steele on with his mega nine by nine baler. <laughs> there's a variety there that doesn't exist in other areas of agriculture. Yeah. The the crop will change versus a kernel of corn is always a kernel of corn. Yeah. We have number one corn, number one yellow corn. <laughs> and like, it's the most boring thing ever when you come from a, like a, a, we mentioned yeah. earlier talking about uh, export Timothy. Good grief. There's a mind boggling array of, of quality grades yeah. that are only distinguishable by the, the gurus. <laughs> and I don't know how you get to be a guru except to look at 10,000 tons of hay a day for a, a summer. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> that happens. There's guys out there that do that. So the innovation comes along when you have that education and connection. Because when you're learning and you're, when you're meeting with people, you're learning. When you're learning, you're thinking about ways to do it different. That's where the innovation comes in. 
with with the regionalized aspect, there's so much innovation that just cross pollinates. Yeah, and part time I work on a farm when I somehow find free time. Uh-huh. My operation has been bettered so much in the last year because of all the different things I've seen that work and don't work. And there's so many, you try something and it fails and you can get experience from someone who's personally done it instead of reading an article, no connection. And a lot of times when you read something initially, you have one opinion, but then if you can talk to the person who wrote it, they may have done some small error in the process or something that caused it to not work. And the modifications and innovations are just outstanding for growth in the industry. Most sincerely, this has been a blast. Just to sit back and shoot the breeze and talk hay with somebody that gets to see more country and more operations than just about anybody else on the planet. If anybody else in the hay industry is north of 100,000 miles in 12 months, 53 weeks, I want to hear about it and I want to talk to you too. Thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for your thoughts. Thanks. It was fun to be here and create some new terms. (laughs) 